0: You're about to listen to another great show on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. (laughs) What? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. My spider sense is tingling. My
1: spider sense tells me I'm in for some trouble. My spider sense is tingling. My spider sense is tingling. My spider sense is tingling.
0: My spider, sense, my, spider sense, my spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Wild Thing Web Snappers, a Spider Man podcast where we dive into every Spider Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Grrr. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs illustration and design that fit your personality for samples and inquiries visit revengelover.com we are once again talking about the spectacular spider-man we're talking about a season two episode and if you're like wait a second i don't remember us getting to the second season you missed one go back an episode listen to all of our production notes for the second season it's sad but it's fascinating so do that and then come back here and talk yeah. more about spectacular with us because we like yeah. it a lot. We
1: do. It's so good. It's so good, <laughs> and we got a Craven episode. We Again, do. We got so many Craven ones. We got a Craven one like for so many shows, or at least like Craven or mm. the Hunt or the Hunter. Like we've gotten one for all of them except eighty-one at this point. I think of the of the main ones that we've done.
0: Yeah, is that Goblin has to be the villain we've talked about most, right? But I think Craven. Um,
1: Mm, he hasn't. I mean, Hobgoblin was in the '90s show, but we haven't seen Green That's Goblin true. in that yet.
0: Good call. So it's probably Craven. Craven is in '90s. Craven is in Spectacular now. Craven is in Amazing Friends. Let's just call him Craven in Unlimited. Yeah, yeah. That's at least four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That's damn, dude. Damn.
1: He really gets around.
0: Uh, Well, we know.
1: (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, I knew knew what I was saying.
0: (laughs) So like I said, we talked a lot about production stuff last episode, but it is worth noting, just in case you didn't catch it, this show is currently available pretty much only on DVD and Blu-ray, but you can purchase it on most digital platforms. Unfortunately, it is not currently streaming anywhere. So if you're looking to watch along, finding it on DVD or digital is probably the easiest way to go. Yep, yep. This week we are talking about The Spectacular Spider-Man Season 2, Episode 2, And it is part of the engineering arc, the second episode in the engineering arc, entitled Destructive Testing. And the synopsis for this one per IMDb is as follows. Peter feels great now. Wait, what? Uh Peter feels feels great now. Liz and Gwen appreciate him more as a tutor. Good Lord. (laughs) Russian big game hunter Sergei Kravinov, who catches wild beasts with his bare hands and his... Quote, pet lion Guljadkin fails to overpower Spider-Man. At ESU Lab, Miles Warren agrees to transform him with leonin mutagen, lionin mutagen, transforming him into lion man craven. What's funny is, like, I don't read the um, the synopses for Spectacular Spider-Man because... I am unspoiled on this show, and I know that the the synopses have spoiled me to little things the show has done in the past. So that is the first time I've even glanced at that synopsis, and holy hell!
1: <laughs> what I what I especially love about it is that it's like broken English, and I I mean to a point where it's like I, I it doesn't seem like someone who speaks English writes it. Maybe except well, and that's fine, uh, which, which is fine. The details yeah. aren't right, <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, and except the idea that like. It also says, has like Leon and "mutagen," which is like a collection of words that like don't necessarily need to be there, but we're still chosen for it. Like, yeah. you know that's a that's a good way to put it. Like those are those are the correct words to use, but yeah. it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the, the the terrible grammar and everything in it. So I, you know, yeah. as we've said before, I just want to meet the person who's who writes <laughs> synopses like this, like. <laughs> Cool. I mean, good for you. Clearly no one else is doing it. I just, uh, you know, I want to pick that brain
0: (laughs) often. It's often a ride, you know, it often takes us on a journey. So we, we appreciate Uh him.
1: (laughs) Whoever you are. (laughs) Yep. 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 So the uh, initial international air date for this episode was January 18th, 2009. Didn't air in the US until June 22nd, 2009. It was written by Matt Wayne, who we've talked about before. He wrote one or both of the episodes back in our episode 13. This episode was directed by Kevin Altieri, so this is someone who has worked on Spectacular before, but this is his first directing credit on it. He was originally a storyboard artist on the episodes Catalyst and Group Therapy, which are, like, two of the best-looking episodes from the first season, so you can, <laughs> can see why he would get upgraded to, uh, to director yeah. um, if, if those are, are, are things that he was in charge of, so... Mm-hmm. He, he has, like, more storyboard credits than anything else, uh, shows like Jackie Chan Adventures, Young Justice, multiple Scooby-Doo projects as well. And he, as a director, did work on a few things, including Batman the Animated Series, G.I. Joe Renegades, Stripperella, mm-hmm. Transformers, Rescue Bots, and Transformers Prime, and Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters.
0: Nice. Well, we get two characters introduced and spotlighted in this episode, but the voice credits are kind of fascinating in their brevity. (laughs) Uh, The first character is Sergei Kravinov or Kraven the Hunter. They say Kravinov in this. Yeah. Why do they do that? I don't know. So I'm mimicking them. Sergei Kravinov and Kraven the Hunter, voiced by Eric Vesbit, who... We are pretty confident is, in fact, just one person, not two, because if you go on IMDb, it <laughs> appears that he has two different people named Eric Vesbit, which seemed unlikely. So yeah. we're we're like 99% confident now that it's all the same person. What we do know for certain is that Eric Vesbit was an associate producer for The Spectacular Spider-Man at the time in some capacity, There are certain episodes he's credited to, but the way that certain things are worded, it seems like maybe he was with them longer than just those episodes. Not really sure necessarily how that, that shakes out, but more importantly he's not really a voice actor. He he did this and a couple other things um and at the time he was specifically there as an associate producer. So I saw a tweet from Victor Cook talking about this episode where he sort of said like fun fact, one of our associate producers sort of like expressed his creative side for this one and and decided to voice one of the characters. So it it very clearly seemed like out of his comfort zone might be accurate might not be (laughs) i'm Um, not sure what sounds like maybe it is accurate
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) one of the the so i i have a quote from an interview but but one of the things that he said on there is that he talked about that the impression that i got is i think he came to la to be an actor but i think realized pretty quickly that he wasn't really that into acting and that's why he sort of moved into producing predominantly
0: it is fair to say outside of his particular comfort zone
1: (laughs) sure sure yeah
0: so the stuff that we weren't initially sure about but are now also confident about <laughs> is that Eric Vespit did go on to produce a bunch of stuff. Um, it seems like the biggest chunk of his production experience was as a production manager for about 100 episodes or so of The Simpsons, which is a pretty big deal. Um, in the later seasons, I think somewhere in the 20s, I think mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Also was a producer for Harvey Girls Forever and Spirit Riding Free from what I could tell the entire the entirety of both of those series. And then some stuff here and there as well. Obviously, The Spectacular Spider-Man, some other shows um, for a few episodes or a handful of episodes at a time.
1: Yeah. I listened to an interview with him on the Spectacular Radio podcast from a few years ago, just because we were, you know, because the IMD credits were so weird. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. double check. And apparently, like he said, that it was a kind of a fun anecdote so like he was he was a producer and being cast as craven was greg weissman's idea i think he was just like saying that he just really liked kind of the natural depth of his voice just his regular speaking voice mm-hmm. and you know he knew that he had acted in some capacities before so obviously he would be familiar with acting and he could do it and apparently he just they said that like he just like one day just asked off the cuff like hey uh, by any chance <laughs> can you do a russian accent and he just like did it like he could do it and apparently not only that but he'd literally studied russian in college so oh, wow. it's just like well i guess you're craving now <laughs> okay th- i mean that's pretty
0: perfect that's pretty perfect so i can see yeah. how that sort of uh the pieces just sort of fell in place for that he does right. a good job like mm-hmm. I, like good enough that i was very surprised he did not continue acting but it sounds like if it wasn't for him that makes sense and we've sort of speculated that might be the case for actors along the way as we've talked about them Cause sometimes it is weird to see like an actor did a bunch for the, like over the course of like three years and then just like stopped, you know? So uh, this sort of confirms uh, at least in this case, very specifically, but probably for others as well. Yep. 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 The other character that we're introduced to is Calypso, who is Sergei's companion. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, We'll say it's not super clear. I think, I think it's clear that it's a romantic companion, right? Like, yeah. I think it's made very clear. Oh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly what to call her, but Calypso. Um, and she is voiced by Angela Bryant, who has done very, very little. This is one of her few named credits, not even all of her credits. She has like a name, hmm. and this is her only voice credit. Her other credits are like a short film in two movies. It doesn't seem like she's acted in, like, a decade. So not really sure, like, how they came upon her, where she came from, what she went on to do. Both of these people are very low profile as actors online. So don't have a ton of information.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. I mean, she, does a, she doesn't get a lot in this episode, but she does a, you know, a good job with what she's been given. So
0: Yeah. I mean, well, when you don't have a lot to do, like, all you have to do is not totally screw it up. And she doesn't do that. So yeah. by that metric, she does a really good job, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I'd be curious to hear more from her because she probably was good at it, I guess. So, um, and the character's interesting. So I would, yeah. uh, I would love to see, see more. Definitely. I think I know the answer to that question, but I won't say it. <laughs>
1: sure. Sure, sure, sure.
0: <laughs> Cause I would like to not know the answer to that question.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 She's actually Aunt May in disguise. So, well, yeah,
0: I mean, AKA the master
1: planner. So right. it all makes it's, sense. You know, It's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs>
0: That's all we got for production, so we can, we can dive very quickly into this episode if you are ready
1: to go. Yeah, let's do it, because it opens on an African plane where Sergei Kravinov, who is very quickly shirtless, is helping a group of, I guess, yeah, conservationists. Like, I,
0: it's not really clarified who he's with.
1: Yeah, because I don't think they're like big game hunters because they no. are only trying to take down a rhinoceros because it's like mad with fever or something like that.
0: I like I got from context like what they were doing. I just don't know what to call them. Yeah, like they're basically I don't know. like they're people who take care of endangered wildlife, but aren't necessarily like zookeepers because they're in the wild. So yeah. they're some form of like animal medics, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's a name for it. Yeah, that we just don't know. Like, I don't we don't know. know that they're just <laughs> fun safari outfits like they always are on TV. Well, so of course, that's enough. But yeah, so they're trying to like tranquilize this rampaging rhino, but they say that like the darts aren't working. So Craven, you know, being like the manly, like exuding, fierce, sexual energy horn dog that he is, just strips half naked and just like jumps on it <laughs> <laughs> and literally like rides it around, like holds on to his head for a while and eventually kind of like manually like calms it and knocks it out. And he's like covered in way more scratches than like the the nineties craven was when he was supposed to have been like deathly mauled and had like no marks on him.
0: I um. <laughs> I like this Sergei design. I do too. I do too.
1: You know, I a lot wish, as as usual, <laughs> wish there was more um wish there was more body hair, but A, this show just like doesn't really have that. It's like it's yeah. so, so simple, so forgive it. And B, he gets plenty of body hair later, so yeah. it works out. In, yeah it
0: that's a good point like the flatness and like um, like sort of lack of texture the show typically chooses to have like it would almost be weird for him to have body hair I'm with you on yeah. that but given that sort of exception I really like the surrogate design a lot there's something about it like I don't know what it like normally Craven like like I get I get Craven but I'm like not here for craven necessarily Mm -hmm. but there's something about this design that like makes him more contemporary than he normally is because he's usually sort of like an old-fashioned machismo type of sexuality you know what i mean yeah Um, and this show that wouldn't really fit so what they do and adapt him to be feels like faithful to craven like you'd recognize him but uh feels like a lot more contemporary than he would normally be drawn to be
1: Yeah, I I have a hard time knowing what it is either. I think maybe it has to do with how he fits in to like the character designs we're more familiar with and like Mm -hmm. it does like it's kind of like his his just full body shape and head shape and the way that his like facial hair is.
0: Well, his facial hair, I think, is important. Like it's the way that they do his facial hair is like super balanced, not just like symmetrically, but I don't know, like his eyebrows and his mustache balance out in a way that like makes his face really pleasing to look at, just through like multi axied symmetry. I don't know how to describe it.
1: Huh. Yeah, I can see <laughs> like, that. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. it's I interesting. Yeah, I dig him. I I agree. I really like the design.
0: And honestly, maybe it's just because Craven always kind of looks the same,
1: <laughs> so it's cool. That's to see true. Something different. That's true. Sure. It's like it's like a nice like deviation from the norm, but in a way that doesn't feel like anything in any way radically different yeah it's like the perfect balance of doing like a kind of an update without radically changing it
0: and before anybody comes for me i know that there are adaptations and versions of craven that don't look like the classic version this is a classic version adapted in a new style that's what i mean
1: (laughs) yeah 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 totally totally and especially of the ones that we've seen that all generally just look very similar right Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it's interesting. I dig it. I like this version of Craven generally. I think this version of Craven's funny, not to like jump ahead or anything. I think it's funny because in this first scene, he seems very like typical Craven is like exuding that sexual energy and like that confident, like kind of machismo, but like he's kind of doesn't really have that through once he gets to new york which i think makes a lot of sense like he's he's kind of like a little bit more of a loser in new york like he's still cool and he's still like fierce in a way but like he's not just i don't know i think like this episode kind of like puts craven in his place in a way that i don't think is often done but in a way that feels very appropriate and still doesn't make him like look like it doesn't like disrespect him or whatever, even in the way that it does with like comically with the stereo. It's just sort of like almost despite the genetic engineering angle that happens. Like it's a more realistic take on like if a big game hunter came to New York, mm-hmm. he would be just really goofy and weird and not actually be able to really do as much as he thinks he could.
0: Yeah. It's a different take on his, his relationship to the environment that I, I wouldn't say is better or worse. It's just, like explicitly different yeah and so i could very easily see preferring one over the other i i don't even know where i fall on that like i think maybe i prefer a a more traditional take on it but i really enjoy the way they do this so i have no complaints with this like i think it's it's really clever and smart so it's interesting to do it this way i mean they did it well enough that there's no like clear cut better or worse like in an objective way i don't think
1: I think it works in this show, and I don't think that it would work in most other shows, I think is the case. I think this sure. is like the one instance where it would, and it's good that it doesn't happen often. I think that's where the kind of confusion is. But that it works sense. great in this show for the type of world that they built, I think, for sure. Cool. But yeah, so he, he is cool cool enough to knock out a rhinoceros. That's great. After he succeeds, it looks like he's about to be attacked by a lion, but that lion turns out to be his friendly pet companion friend named Guyatkin. And I Googled that name or at least the spelling of the name that I found and shouldn't pick anything up. But I wonder if it like it means something or it's based in something. But I don't know.
0: It's got to mean something.
1: Yeah. It can't have just been like a random collection of letters. I'd hope it not Right. But yeah. So, you know, he has a a pet slash friend lion, which is cool. That shows how like badass he is in the jungle and even like rubs the lion's belly and everything. It's really cute. In addition to that, he is also met by a woman named Calypso who delivers him some information from what she refers to as their anonymous friend in America, which implies that they've had some kind of connection before. And this information is actually like newspaper clippings and everything of Spider-Man. And in typical Craven fashion, Kravinov is like, ooh, he is a worthy prey. What she says after he like throws the newspapers on the ground with, like littering, which is like, <laughs> Why? what are you doing, buddy? Come on. But yeah, so that's that just starts off the episode pretty quickly. They they just set off to New York so he can begin his hunt. You know, I thought for a
0: moment that he was actually – that they were going to throw us for a loop and that he was actually going to go to New York to hunt Rhino. Yeah! Because, because when you see the papers that Calypso delivers to him, the first image you see is actually of Rhino, not of Spider-Man. So I was like, oh, that's a cool twist on it. Like, that's a it cool way to be. go about it. And it would actually make sense given Rhino is based on an animal he would encounter in the wild.
1: I mean, they literally encounters it in this first, like, okay, yeah. Rhino in this first scene. That would be really clever. And to see Spider-Man trying to, like, help, like, save Rhino from Kraven. Like, how, how, that would Ooh. be a really interesting episode to see.
0: I would love to see that episode. Oh, that would be so much fun.
1: Right? Holy right? Holy
0: shit. Okay. Well, you're brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. good. That's yeah. really good. I dig that. Oh, well, that's definitely not the one that we get a much more <laughs> traditional one. But there's certainly no. some twists in this episode so that even, even with that. And just real quick, the opening sequence for this one, the, the, the characters that are spotlighted are, again, Gwen and Liz. But instead of Norman, he is swapped out with Flash. Yes. Which, fun fact, this is why I had my theory last week that it's not just, like, characters that are, like, prominent or whatever. Because Flash isn't very prominent in this episode and, in fact, has literally one line in this episode that he is spotlighted on the opening credits. And that one line is just, like, saying, like, 90, 30, 50, like, whatever football speak he's saying. Yeah. But, like, what happens to him, like, affects the people around him significantly and will surely, like, affect him down the line. Yeah. Which is, which is very interesting so it makes sense that he's spotlighted, but it's definitely, like, it's different. It's, it's, it's interesting that it's not just, like, characters that are there a lot. Like, yeah. it's actually kind of thought through a little more cleverly, I feel like. Holds up so far. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, we cut to New York, <laughs> but uh, we cut to Peter. So back at school, uh, we see that Peter is finishing a test early and turns that in and leaves Mr. Warren's class I never got to do that in high school. I could do that in college, but I never could just leave class early cuz I finished a test early in high school. I don't know about you.
1: Only when I was taking like standardized tests or it was like ex- like exam week or something. Okay,
0: um, yeah, that would make sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, but that's and that's only <laughs> if you were like someone with a car, <laughs> like Right. So, yeah, well, but I guess you know, they're in New York, so they can walk anywhere. So I
0: guess like sense. the implication is also kind of that this is maybe the end of the day, right? So, maybe it yeah.
1: works. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, could work.
0: Yeah. So he leaves. He leaves class, and he's, you know, he he's in the hallway, and they do this weird thing where I guess it's not that weird, but an unexpected thing where he walks into the hallway, and his spider sense goes off, and I guess this is meant to be, like, it's I guess it's, I guess we're meant to for a, a hot second believe that Craven already found him, <laughs> yeah. but it's actually just it's Kenny and Rand throwing a football around in the hallway, so. Uh that's fine I guess. Um Well I
1: think it also is setting up the like kind of joke that they have with Glenn like right after that too.
0: That's true. That's fair. That I think that's also
1: fine though. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's
0: I don't know. It's uh this interaction it it's it's for me it's just fine. So Sure. He he's approached by Kenny and Rand who ask him when Flash will be finished and they, you know, har har at the fact that Flash isn't good at math so it's going to be a while. Gwen, however, is good at school stuff. So she pretty quickly exits the classroom right after Peter as they're still talking in the hallway and dodges quite incredibly a football (laughs) that Kenny tosses to Rand, like just like Peter did, but without the spider senses. So like, yeah, there's a joke there, but
1: I don't know. it's, it's, it's see, well, it's fine. <laughs> for, they're clearly foreshadowing that she's going to become Spider Gwen, which was a Holy character that definitely shit. existed back then.
0: <laughs> this is where the idea came from, <laughs> right?
1: I do r- really, I really love like this like fabulous anime shot that they have of her just like after she does the dodging, though, like the slow mo <laughs> shot of her of her face.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. I was like, what anime shot? <laughs>
1: But yeah, I don't know, know an- anime shot's probably not the right like word for it, but just like the, just, like, the slow motion, like just adjusting her glasses like confidently yeah. after she does it. Like it's so out of place for this show. It's so good. It made me think of like an anime type of thing, I guess. Yeah.
0: No, I get you. I get you. And I, I guess I do appreciate that Peter like sees this and admires the fact that she does it without Spider Sense. For me, it's not like a huge payoff, but it's still like, I guess it's fun. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know why I'm hung up on it.
1: <laughs> I like any time they do something cool with Gwen because she's so she's so often sh- shat upon that it's always nice when she gets to have like a cool, neat moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is cool. She's cool. So yeah. I'll accept that she just gets to do cool stuff because she's Gwen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I said, Peter admires that she's able to do this uh, just without spider sense and decides like, okay, I got to talk to Gwen. I have to talk to Gwen. I'm going to talk to Gwen. I need to tell her how I feel. But instead of actually telling her how he feels in that moment, he's like, well, I want you to know that I got the internship at ESU back. And she's like, "Okay, cool. And uh, he starts to say, like, well, we could take the bus together and thinks to himself, that would be a better place and a better time to tell her how I feel because it'll be a little bit more private and we'll have some time alone together. Also, she'll be captive, so weird choice. Ooh, Um, I didn't
1: think about that.
0: (laughs) Ooh! But it makes sense. It makes sense from where he's coming from. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, what this does, though, is it, it, it further puts off him actually just fucking talking to her and opens the door for what we've come to expect, which is Liz Allen interrupting their interaction as she comes out of class and very excitedly and affectionately thanks Peter for his tutoring, saying that she did really well because of him. And while she's sort of like excitedly and affectionately thanking him, Gwen, pretty straight faced, just like walks away. <laughs> Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Uh, You know, it's 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 complicated because I actually like Liz Allen in this in this this series, like quite a bit. I think she's fun as a character. Yeah. But uh, it's weird to like like all of the characters that are sort of in like an awkward misunderstanding conflict because I can't really be like all that mad at any of them. Like I can be frustrated with them and their choices, but I can't really be like mad. Like I don't want to root against Liz Allen from this show.
1: Right, and it's, it's complicated because, like, sh- I don't love that she clearly sees that Gwen likes Peter and, like, it is sort of trying to one-up her. Like, she's trying to win Peter over Gwen. Like, we know for a fact that she can see that there are enough angry, jealous glances that she gives whenever Gwen or well, Gwen is around and she actively tries to interrupt them, which is not great. We do, but Liz also genuinely likes Peter at this point, though, right? Wait, say again?
0: we i think we're meant to believe that Liz does genuinely like Peter though. Doesn't oh no, she?
1: that's the that's the thing that makes it complicated. Is yeah. that like that's that's the reason that she's jealous. It's not because she doesn't like Gwen. I'm sure she thinks Gwen is probably I'm sure she would not she probably doesn't even think about Gwen outside of this. Honestly, I think it is just because she's viewing it in a typical like heteronormative, especially high school way <laughs> where it's a competition and like you have to win by like getting the guy that you that you're into over the other person who's into that guy and that sucks but i understand why she's doing it yeah, like totally she's just get it. doing you know doing the thing that that plenty of people have done people have been told to do and honestly like the thing that we're saying that Gwen should do by actually like talking to Peter straightforwardly instead of being so passive is what Liz is doing, like correctly. Like she's right. being super, she's not giving any mixed signals. She's being, being so clear and giving Peter every opportunity to ask her out or at least like reciprocate those feelings. And that's what you, sh- you know, that's kind of like what you should do if you're, if you're kind of having that flirtation with someone. So it's like that, ma- it makes it so complicated. No one's, no one's doing everything right, but no one's really doing anything straightforwardly wrong either, or at least not with, like, the wrong intentions.
0: Right, because I don't think like, as much as we see that Liz is jealous of the fact that Gwen gets attention from Peter, she also gets attention from Peter, so I don't think it's that she's being, like, malicious or, like, doing anything out of any motivation other than being afraid that she won't be able to sort of, like, gain the feelings or attention from Peter, which we already know she wants. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, it makes it so complicated, and they're all likable. Like, I know that the show is pushing us towards Peter and Gwen. Like, that's clear, but they're not making Liz a villain all that much. No. Like, it's really just, like, a glance here and there, or the fact that she, like, doesn't like that Peter gives Gwen attention which you could take issue with but given that everybody's technically on the same playing field and sort of on the same level like it's not it it, it's hard to make that feel malicious
1: yeah well and you know I think like, it's frustrating because, like, as much as I want to see Peter and Gwen together, as much as they think that they would be cute together and be good for each other, I think Peter and Liz would make a nice, cute couple, too. Like,
0: Look, I very actively shipped Gwen and Eddie, so I would be fine with Peter ending up with Liz. <laughs> I know that Gwen likes Peter, so that's, like not ideal
1: <laughs> but also like Peter has kind of treated her so terribly for yes! so long that like she kind of deserves <laughs> better or at least he needs to see still clearly needs to grow up yeah. before he can handle Gwen.
0: I certainly shouldn't be like actively pushing Gwen into the arms of somebody that is not currently capable of like handling that relationship. So, sure. well, but she can date so someone other than Eddie. That.
1: I think that there's someone out there who's better than both of them right. that would appreciate <laughs> Gwen for who she and is. And you know what
0: their name is? Mary Jane fucking Watson.
1: Oh, God. You know? Uh, think about it. Please just just go be lesbians with each other. It would make it, it would solve every problem. Mary Jane would be like the best no matter who she's paired with, she would be the best person to right. be in a relationship with. Exactly. Exactly. She with everybody,
0: well except Eddie. That's that clearly is not a match, but everybody oh, else. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and honestly, she's like the only person that has like seen Gwen throughout the entirety of her run exactly. on the show. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe if the show lasted longer, <laughs> who knows?
0: No. <laughs>
1: I mean, it wouldn't. it wouldn't. It wouldn't happen. But I would. I would not be mad if it happened. Oh, I'd be so thrilled.
0: <laughs> anyway, that was our shipping section. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't even know where we are at this point. Um, What did we do? Oh, that's right. Okay. So Liz showed up, Gwen walked away, et cetera.
1: So we cut to later. You know, Peter had made plans with Gwen to ride the bus with her, but she actually not only like left that scene, she like fully went to the ESU lab without him. Mm -hmm. Um, So he shows up like late or not late, later than her. She's already in the middle of working, which is hilarious. (laughs) He like asks her about like, oh, I thought we were going to take the bus together and like already starts the scene off badly. It's just like in the first season when they weren't talking and like he got the volleyball like hitting her in the head and everything like just he just like melts down whenever whenever she's like unhappy with him. Because she's, like, spraying the window or the glass, like, casing for the, that his, the spiders are in. And Peter, like, a fucking idiot. Like, you shouldn't do this anyway. But he <laughs> leans up against the glass that she's just clean and, like, puts his hand right on it as he's leaning to talk to her. Uh-huh. And it's like, why would you do that in the first place? It's glass. Like, you're going to dirty it up, you dumbass. Mm-hmm. So that gets her, like, annoyed with him right off the bat. And they're playful about it. But, like, you know, it doesn't start off the conversation Right. So that means that Gwen's already going to be a little bit more aggressive with him. And she is, because she's like, I left because I didn't think your pupil would ever release you in time to arrive together. (laughs) Which, considering that he's apparently like an hour late or something, since she's already hard at work, like, must have been right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: She also, if you want to get like really nitpicky about the details, never agreed to go with him. So the fact that he rolls up and is like, I thought we were going to go together. it's Like, no, we didn't even get that far. (laughs)
1: That's a good point. Didn't even think about that. Yep, yep. So as
0: they're having this interaction, although it's not really much of an interaction, she kind of shuts him down like pretty effectively. Um, The Doctor's Connors arrive. (laughs) Peter promises not to ruin his second chance, which is worth noting because we can – almost certainly bet money on the fact that he will <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> not sure how, but he will. <laughs> yep. And, and the Connors introduce the new intern who is named Deborah Whitman. Mm-hmm. She says nothing though.
1: <laughs> yeah. And she's another one just cause I, I think it's always useful to call it out for this show. Cause they, yeah. since they try to do it, this is another one where they sort of do a, a kind of a race swap. And I don't know. She's, she's like darker skin. I don't know. Like, if she's supposed to be, like, a black woman or what. It seems like she might be drawn to be that, but it's hard to tell on this show. Um, she's but, just
0: very clearly not a white blonde woman.
1: Absolutely, yeah, which is, yeah, you know, it's still, like, a case where it's still, like, they're doing most of the changes of race to, like, minor characters, but mm-hmm. it's still cool to see it. They're still making an attempt.
0: And they're doing it a lot. Like, they're really filling out, even though it is the the minor characters in the supporting cast, like, they're really filling, filling the screen and the cast... Out with with much more mm-hmm. diversity than you would expect.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and it's like you know, did Peter really need another blonde woman in his life? No, like, come on, <laughs> no, <laughs> too many yeah. of them already. <laughs> exactly,
0: especially if you're going to have Gwen in this series.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so Martha ends up asking Gwen and Peter about Eddie because I think I think Kurt Connors in a really dumb way says that Deborah is the new Eddie, which is an obnoxious way to introduce somebody. By the way, don't ever do that, folks. Yeah. But this prompts Martha to ask Gwen and Peter about Eddie, and they both share that they don't really know where he went. Obviously, Gwen doesn't really know anything, and she sort of she sort of says like the last time she saw him, he was was at like the the Thanksgiving Day parade where she was like traumatized and almost killed by Eddie.
1: <laughs> yeah, because she even like. Has a little, like, you know, that thing. Uh, anyway, like, she's yeah. clearly still healing from that experience where oh, she yeah. literally almost died.
0: Right, right. So, and she genuinely doesn't really know what happened. Obviously, Peter knows a little bit more, but he just kind of says, like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard from him. And he doesn't know where Eddie is, but obviously he knows a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Just then, Miles Warren arrives. And the doctors sort of like start to introduce him to Gwen and Peter, but he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gwen, Peter, I know your teachers told me all about you. Anyway, (laughs) Kurt, let's talk about this research you've done about, putting reptile DNA into a human guess what I was looking over it and I've done research about putting mammal DNA into humans isn't that crazy and guess what I think you missed a step and I bet we could figure it out if we just and he like opens his computer and he's like do this and that and that and Kurt's like whoa buddy stop nope not gonna go there it's dead research I want you to drop it and Miles is like oh uh okay I guess
1: we'll drop it Uh, I I love it. I love that they're bringing that back because it's such a – it makes so much sense. Like it doesn't make sense for – Dr. Connors to make like in in any in any continuity in any kind of like canon in any version of this like that's always been sort of a a weird thing about it where it's like Dr. Connors makes what's clearly a giant breakthrough that there would have to be a record of that there had to have been more people involved other than him on like there's going to be loose hanging threads and he can't just go back to a normal life after this and I love the fact that like this show clearly as far as we know isn't doing the like Jekyll Hyde thing where he just like gets angry and turns into lizard or at least like they haven't yet if they were planning to right but instead the lizard is still haunting him just from being a thing that exists that he'll never be able to fully cover up. Because that research is obviously out there, because that was the main thing that he was doing for presumably years. So, of course, of course, someone's going to stumble on it and be like, hey, yo, dude, what's up? Why'd you stop doing this? This seemed cool. Right. Remember that
0: (laughs) badass science you were doing that was like basically making science fiction reality? (laughs) Right. I didn't forget it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it even, like, you know, the the thing that Miles, I think, figured, like, mentions. I think he explicitly mentions like um, like electricity or whatever, which was the yeah. key to solving it back in the original episode. So it's like all that research is out there without the one final, honestly, very simple step mm-hmm. to make it all work. Like, of course, this is going to happen. It's just such great. It's such great writing. It's such a great way to like – Quickly introduce this character that is already becoming an antagonist, not because he's like a villain yet, I guess, or like, but just because like his inquisitiveness and like lack of like emotion and care for any of these characters is just going to create like, you know, uh, roadblocks for everyone and just throw out these, these problems, you know, like just naturally.
0: Well, it's a bad mixture, right? Like, he's a guy who cares it, in almost a Doc Ock type of way, like cares most about the science, right? But the science that he is is stumbling on is science that we know will take him into a really bad place. He doesn't know that, so he's just sort of enthusiastic, but we can sort of see the mixture brewing, and the fact that he's sort of aggressively dedicated to the science is not the kind of person you want stumbling across that kind of research. It could have been literally any other research that he was super stoked about, right? It could have been renewable energy, and he would have been just as aggressively dedicated to it, but we just we would know that that isn't going to turn him into Blizzard 2.0 or enable him to create something else or whatever. You know, we have the mm-hmm. background to know that this is not the road he wants to go down.
1: It's all good. It's a good show. Very Good, good well-written stuff. show. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so uh, later that evening, Spidey's kind of web slinging. And even though he's like, like thrice now had a revelation about Gwen, maybe being the one he's just like, I'm just so confused because Liz likes me too. <laughs> Yeah. Well, again,
0: though, he knows Liz likes him. So I do get it. I do get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's frustrating. And, you know, he's shown interest in Liz before, before he knew about Gwen. So it all makes sense. It's just so frustrating because it's just like that's that's always been his problem is indecisiveness. And you just can't no matter how many times he thinks he comes up with a revelation. he's not actually making up his mind. Like he actually he never makes that connection from. Reaching, like, an understanding about something and, like, actually taking action on that knowledge that he's obtained about it.
0: I want to know what this particular dynamic, this sort of love triangle that's happening, I want to know what it would look like to somebody who doesn't know who Gwen is supposed to be or who Liz Allen is supposed to be. You know what I mean? hmm. And, And I think they would still sort of... I think they'd recognize that they would be rooting for Gwen, but I think they would be, I think they would be more open to any outcome.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so too. And I think this show's done a nice job of sort of like, you know, as we said before, it kind of plays with your knowledge of things, but... It also like doesn't let that knowledge restrain them at all, because like you have Mary Jane involved in all this, and she is not even not even not even a blip on yeah. this on this on this romance radar. Like that ship has sailed. There seems to be no indication that she and Peter will ever hook up. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a
0: non-factor. <laughs> it's
1: yeah, yeah, which is so it's just so it's such an interesting thing. So yeah, I love. I would be interested to know too, though. Is, like I love. Or, or, you know, if you're someone, you know, at this point, only the only Spider-Man movies were, like, the Rami movies that had come out. So the only love interest people really were familiar with would be Mary Jane. So if you're only familiar with those movies and are watching this cartoon and you're thinking, like, the one person that I know, like, usually hooks up with Peter, from my experience, is not even a factor. You're almost going into the Gwen and Liz thing kind of just totally objectively, like, without That's any – any idea?
0: <laughs> you might actually assume neither one of them is a destination for this romantic journey.
1: Right. Which is so interesting. <laughs>
0: in in the way that we're expecting Gwen and Peter will somehow end up together, despite what we're watching with our own two eyes, mm-hmm. just based on our knowledge, like that person would probably be doing the same thing. But for Mary Jane, being like, well, right. obviously it's going to end up with him and Mary Jane. So I'm just waiting to figure out how this all shakes out.
1: Right, right. Very interesting. Interesting. I would have loved to see how this thing evolves. You know, this
0: is a good (laughs) show, like a really good show, because I don't know that I've ever sort of like spoken so investedly in Peter's love life. (laughs) They make it so interesting.
1: It is because I think that they do such a good job of layering it with complexity that it's not just because I think that's the pitfalls of a love triangle is that it's it it Always ends up being so formulaic mm-hmm. and there's, and it's sort of like you just are going to choose one side or the other and that's it. And there's just going to be like. They both like the guy and the guy has to choose. And sometimes it's gender swapped and that's about it. But like the idea that like they've sort of built both of these people up, like starting the show, you would never necessarily assume that Liz would actually really truly be a real love interest for him. You can see that maybe she's thrown in there for, for just to complicate things. But I think even by the end of the first season, you can be like, maybe she likes him. But, like, we don't know if this is going to be, like, serious. And for that to be, like, the core love triangle at the start of the season, it's sort of, like, there's already so much history behind both of these characters. And they both have such different sort of reasons, it seems like, for the way that they're acting and interacting with Peter. That it makes the love triangle not feel just like a formula love triangle. It makes it actually feel like a lesson that needs to be learned by Peter for how to deal with being in a love triangle rather than a love triangle for love triangle's sake, just to get drama. Like this is a thing that Peter has to learn as as a way to deal with his indecisiveness.
0: Yeah. It feels like an active part of his maturation as opposed to just like a saucy element of the story. Right. Right. Good show. Good show. Good show. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole,
1: Katie, Joe, Greg, Mike, Flux, and Eric. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt.
0: Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes.
1: And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more.
0: Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So yeah, so he's, he's, he's swinging around thinking about Liz and Gwen, trying to figure out what to do about that. And we see that Kravinov, it's so weird saying Kravinov, <laughs> is yeah. uh, is stalking and eventually attacking him. And he does this with a bow and arrow. Holy shit. Like Spider-Man stops to like think on a billboard and Kraven just like nearly hits him in the head with a bow with an arrow. Like it's incredible. Uh obviously Spider-Man has his spider sense, so he dodges a bunch of arrows that are slung at him and swings over to where Kravenov is and the two begin to clash. And though we see that Spider-Man is challenged by Kraven, he manages to keep the upper hand pretty much throughout the fight. And this is I talked about this last week. I really like the the type of confidence Spider-Man has. Throughout this episode, actually, and that he had throughout the first episode of this season, where he he's challenged by Mysterio and he's challenged by Kraven, but there never feels like a point where Spider-Man isn't confident he can or will have the upper hand. And I don't want to see that all the time, but I just like the way they do it in these two episodes. And I'm not even sure why or what works about it. Maybe I'll figure it out by the time we're done talking about this episode, but there's something really like attractive about the type of confidence that he exudes in this episode that makes him likable instead of obnoxious.
1: I think it works because Mysterio and Craven are both like I guess in the in the scope of Spider-Man's rose galleries they're kind of like B-listers essentially sure. which isn't a thing to say with any disrespect or anything like I like both of these characters a lot I've made that very clear yeah. in the past but you're never going to be villains that that typically, unless it's like a wild story like Craven's Last Hunt, sure. most of the time they're not going to be characters that challenge him in the way that Green Goblin and Venom and Doc Ock do. Those are That's why those are always treated as like the top tier ones for him. That makes a lot of
0: sense. You're not like expecting his world to be turned entirely upside down by those right. two.
1: Right. Like they're characters that like you know full well that he's going to beat them like in a normal yeah, way that's actually <laughs> a good
0: point like you kind of know that he's going to beat them or at least that that they're not going to turn his world upside down so maybe it would almost feel disingenuous to make him uh really struggle or doubt or something like that or not disingenuous but it doesn't feel disingenuous to make him confident
1: right right that exactly. makes sense
0: I, I, that makes sense yeah so this first fight um like I said he manages to mostly keep the upper hand. And he does this with his webbing and his strength, two things that, that Craven could have been told about but hasn't experienced firsthand. Um, and that's probably the the determining factor. Spider-Man is able to web a set of knives out of Craven's hand. He's able to break out of one of Craven's bear hugs simply with his strength. And he manages to trap Kravenov in a web net, uh, which... Craven's never experienced before clearly uh, (laughs) being captured. (laughs) And so he's totally like totally thrown off. Like what is happening here? Uh, This is wild. Like he's – before he gets mad, he's just baffled.
1: Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny, which I think makes sense because I think it's made clear very shortly after this when he gets just like beaten pretty easily that it's just like it's because he's super confident, uber confident that he can handle this. But he's actually not at all prepared for like – New York superhero supervillain fights yeah. like he's not he's not actually prepared for that which is a really smart way to handle mm-hmm. this
0: and I, I would imagine that these two characters had the roles been reversed if Spider-Man somehow found himself in Craven's domain they would write that appropriately too like it's not yeah. like Spider-Man wipes the floor with him it's just that he has advantages and he right. uses them really really well and Craven just right. can't anticipate that.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's, a good, it's a good sequence, and it's a smart sequence. There's a lot of really good, really good lines and quips in this one, too, in, in, this, in this sequence, too. Yeah. I like the whole, like, where'd you come from, Mother Russia, by way of Mother Africa, <laughs> and then <laughs> oh, two moms, yes. and you're still so ill-behaved?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I do. Kraven has two moms, confirmed
1: yep yep i think my favorite <laughs> one though is like craven giving his whole monologue about how he's gonna like eliminate his prey with with like dignity or whatever like that And they're usually silent and then spidey's like prey silent dignity oh you don't know me at all
0: <laughs> yes oh spider yeah spider man's so good in this episode yeah. I, I i love the way he's written in this one and his dialogue is so good all of his quips are really really fantastic
1: Mm-hmm. Uh But yeah, so you know, despite being completely like befuddled by the, the, the web net, Kravinoff is able to actually break out of it. And he's surprised and angered that's like Spider Man was able to break his grip and trap him back, because he's just like, This isn't supposed to happen. The prey doesn't fight back. What's happening? <laughs> like, you're not in Africa anymore, buddy. Spidey kind of readies himself to clash again, but Kravinov does manage to distract him with a boomerang long enough to restrain him with a with a number of bolas. So He prepares a poison dart and even, like, talks about how it's going to paralyze him and everything. But Spidey's like, nope, it's fine. And he very quickly, like, gums (laughs) up the blower with his webbing and breaks free of his restraints. And that's, I mean, it's, the the, the final plan of Craven does not go very well at all. (laughs) No.
0: No. And it's interesting to see, like, I mean, we'll see why they do this. But the first time I was watching this, I was like, wow, this is a wild sort of characterization and writing of this relationship between these two characters, because from what we've we've watched and talked about, Craven always has the upper hand, uh-huh. and so to see it it shake out like this, and to have Spider-Man again not wipe the floor with him, but pretty handily or at least confidently defeat Craven, the Hunter, who we know again the mm-hmm. meta, uh, really threw me for a loop, and I, I really wasn't sure exactly why or what they were going to do with it. I was thoroughly entertained. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But I was yeah. like, "This is wild! Like, what are they, what are they doing? Because it's so quick, you know. Mm-hmm. He defeats him twice in like five minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's so, it's so interesting. Yeah, and it's so unexpected. Like, this is one I know I definitely didn't know about. Like, what what becomes of Craven in the last half of the episode? So it was definitely just like." It's just like what (laughs) this is such a weird structure for for a villain introduction. Just show them, introduce them to lose immediately. Okay, (laughs) well, and I, I, you know,
0: like the point you made about about him being out of his environment and not really being able to anticipate New York. Right, like he's not he's not in his home. He's he's hunting prey in a totally different place and it makes sense that he would be thrown off like that all makes sense. And it could have literally just been that like this could have been the reverse of what we see in the nineties series where Craven starts with the upper hand and Spider-Man sort of gains his bearings. They could have done that with this where Craven starts off, you know uh, without his bearing and gains them. And the challenge sort of increases as the episode goes on. The challenge certainly increases as the episode goes on, but it's not that, you know, like they, they go about it a different way. Um right. and I kind of dig that. Yeah, yeah, I do
1: too. So yeah, so you know, they they're both they're both free and the pursuit's kind of continuing when Spider-Man runs away, the two brawl on the street for a little bit. Spider-Man does take a couple of nasty hits like Kravinoff isn't isn't a nobody. Nope.
0: They're beating the shit out of each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he's just, you know, he's just not as good as he thinks he is, uh, but he does manage to tear Spidey's costume with the spear, which exposes his thermals, which are like heart decorated. Which they make a joke about, so I appreciate it. The yep. underwear isn't the joke. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a funny little joke because it's like... I appreciate that Peter like had no qualms about buying thermals with heart shape on it because it was cheaper. Yep. Like, smart guy, you don't let your toxic masculinity get in the way of of <laughs> buying buying non macho thermals because they because 'cause you're low on money. You should fucking do it. <laughs> even comments on it. It's like, dude, it doesn't affect my it doesn't affect my machismo quotient. <laughs> Which, you know, Spider Man's still beating the shit out of him, so like yeah. he does nothing to prove. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: Beat you up in my heart long johns
1: (laughs) yeah which I guess like if if you consider Kravinov to be kind of a a, like an old fashioned kind of guy like that's almost like twisting the knife on him that like he's not only beaten by the thing that was his prey he's beaten by something that he's considering not macho because they're wearing thermals with hearts on them you know like that's even like worse for him (laughs) yeah
0: also just a generally great detail because they brought up the thermals in the first episode not this one so the fact that it's revealed that he did in fact cross that off of his to-do list in a totally different context it's what we've come to expect from the show it's all in the details yep. there's no
1: no detail on this show is ever forgotten it's so good it's beautiful but yeah so even despite all that Kravinov can't overcome Spidey's agility and webbing and Spider-Man like is fully aware of this he's figured that out he talks some shit webs Kravinov up from a light post he's beaten everybody's laughing at him he's helpless it's just the his worst day ever. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, oh, and Spidey's yeah. like, "All right, all done, bye." Like, it's just the most like kind of pathetic beating that any supervillain has ever gotten in their like <laughs> debut appearance. <laughs>
0: yep, and it's and it happens to Craven of all people,
1: <laughs> right? Which and it's like he's not getting any like, he's not using any like special herbs or super serums or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's literally just a dude. Like it makes sense. Like why would he beat Spider-Man? He's a dude. Like that's all he, he's nothing else. (laughs) He's a dude who is good at hunting. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, I'm good at a lot of things. Doesn't mean I can like kill a superhero with powers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: that makes plenty of sense. Like, and it, it's the type of thing that I don't necessarily take issue with in other versions of Craven, because they do a good job explaining that he's, you know, masterful at it to the point of nearly being superhuman, or in some cases make him actually superhuman. But in this case, like they just sort of work with the basic definition, which is that he's an amazing hunter. Like you said, that doesn't qualify him to beat a superhero up.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a cool take. Um and uh, it comes with a, a, a good payoff, so yep. I, uh, I'm i excited about it. Of course, like I said, had no idea where it was going to go from here. <laughs> 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 so imagine my surprise. Although I figured it out pretty quickly. I figured it out before it happened, which I don't think okay. is necessarily like, I don't think, I'm not saying I'm a genius for that. I think there are just clues along the way, so.
1: Yeah, it's all set up properly. Were you aware of the ultimate version of Craven when you were watching this? uh no
0: although now that you say that i feel like you've mentioned it before maybe um but uh, i i never read uh like the the very little bit of ultimate that i read i don't think ever really included him or i just don't remember
1: yeah i don't know i don't think he's very prominent in it but but the whole cat mutation thing Mm. is from the ultimate comics that's where they pulled it from makes sense cool well i hey i dig that I was just wondering if that influenced your prediction of it, no. but I think, but I wouldn't, but I also, uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that you figured it out.
0: No, I can, I can tell you kind of like where, where it sort of like started to click, to be honest. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, shortly after he endures the laughter of the crowd, a now freed <laughs> Kravnov retrieves the spear that he used earlier and finds that a piece of Spider-Man's costume is still attached to it, which... Spider-Man doesn't know, but is a big mistake for any version of Craven the Hunter, really. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's then met in the alley where he finds this spear by Calypso, who offers her help. Unfortunately, we don't learn what that help is because Kravenov refuses it, claiming that he needs to restore the honor that he lost in losing to Spider-Man. A bummer, but not really a surprise. Sure. A limousine then pulls up that I assume Calypso came in,
1: so I don't know why she walked ahead of it. Um, She wanted to have a great, like, epic entrance. (laughs) Hey, I'll take it.
0: She's cool. (laughs) She has, like, a cool, like, hood. Like, she has a hood on that I think she pulls down, which is cool. Very cool. She looks very, very uh, cosmopolitan uh, as compared Mm -hmm. to, like, uh, her more, you know, African safari-appropriate clothing. So she, unlike Craven, knows how to dress for the weather. So... Yep. <laughs> well, in any case, the limousine does pull up and the limousine has uh Gajotkin in it <laughs> which sure. was a, a very weird surprise to me. And this I actually I don't actually like this, to be honest. Kravanov uh shows Gayatkin the bit of Spider Man's suit because Gayatkin also is like able to track Spider Man like a hound, basically. <laughs> I mean, um
1: Yeah it's weird. it's
0: not a problem for the episode i'm just like not into it i guess i guess sure. it it it's sort of i guess i was very without knowing where it all ended up i didn't love that Gayatkin was there because i was like this is pretty weird like this might be a little more weird than even like a craven episode warrants sure especially because he's like walking out of a limousine i was like this is bizarre it does sort of explain itself so i i won't say overall that it doesn't make sense for him to bring his lion to new york
1: mm-hmm.
0: although that is sort of a results-oriented approach so i'm i'm yeah i'm, I'm the air about bringing your lion to new york to hunt spider-man
1: <laughs> if from a narrative sense it gets him where he it gets him where he needs to be without him having like super smelling sense which is an important factor for him to not have at this, in this version of him. Yeah. Um Yeah. So like, but, but I agree it's, it's weird. It's silly, <laughs> but he is still like a master hunter.
0: Like I wouldn't have, I mean, yeah, I guess he, he would, it, yeah, it makes sense. He's not going to be able to track Spider-Man throughout New York city. If it were the African safari, maybe.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So
0: yeah, it, it makes sense. Honestly, it, it might've been cooler to just have Calypso help him, <laughs> but uh I don't know what we have to anticipate with Calypso, if anything. So We'll see. Maybe yeah. that'll reveal itself later. But yeah, not, not sold on Giatkin, even though he's cool. Shh.
1: Sure. It does give us a a, a fun sequence where, like, since he is tracing, like, Spider-Man sent through New York, like, they just kind of get, like, the usual stops that he's been at, like, including Oscorp through downtown. My favorite one is that you see him at the Bugle, and all of this is done with, like, just, like, instrumental music. Like, there's no dialogue or anything. So you see him at the Bugle, a lion facing Jameson, who is clearly just, like, yelling at the lion. Okay. (laughs) but (laughs) That's worth it.
0: That's worth it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny because, like... (laughs) So far of these two episodes that we've seen this season, Jameson has, this is only, his only appearance and he has no lines, but you see him yelling at a lion in his office. Like, that's rad. I love that. Okay. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. The, again, results oriented, but the payoff works, I guess.
1: <laughs> right,
0: I, uh, right. I do love the sort of like weird montage of him just like walking through downtown or through the Daily Bugle with like a lion. Right, so I guess the right. joke is worth it, guy. You can stay, Giatkin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do like the implication that, like, if he didn't get stopped at the last place that he's that he that we see him stop at, that we'll get to in a second, like he would have kept going, like backwards to the places that Peter's been at, mm-hmm. so he would have eventually showed up at at his house, yeah. And, like a lion would have faced Aunt May.
0: <laughs> oh, but this Aunt May would not stand for it.
1: <laughs> oh, of course, of course. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, do I that that would be great.
1: <laughs> yeah, but instead we we don't get that far cuz he gets stopped at the ESU laboratory where Miles Warren is there. He's actually despite Kurt's uh, apprehension and telling him to stop, he is still working on that mutagen project, um following with Kurt's research. He's having little narrations about it. He's already figured it out. He's already figured out I think he's already figured out the electricity thing. So like he's he knows that it works. Um he's cracked the code within like a day so dangerously smart guy that miles warren he's also like has the best reaction to a lion and african russian hunter showing up through like the skylight in the lab that he's just started working at because his initial reaction to seeing a lion approach him like you know scarily like on the prowl is like Oh, interesting. How can I profit off of this?
0: <laughs> true, true. Honestly, <laughs> just the fact that, that Kravanov ends up at the lab is kind of where I was like, oh, I think I know what's about to happen. Like
1: <laughs> it's not sure. very
0: far. Like it's not it's not like super far in advance predicting what was gonna happen, but knowing that this is where he ended up, I was like, I have a feeling. <laughs> We've been introduced to this new character this season. We've talked about the research. Kravnov yeah. ends up in the lab where this guy is working on something he was explicitly told not to like I can connect the dots.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean given this that's the thing that this show does best, right? It's just like fusing all of these like seemingly disparate storylines into one like, that just feels so organic. And this is one of those cases. I think that's why you're able to predict it is because yeah. it makes perfect sense that mm-hmm. the dude wanting to do genetic engineering research <laughs> and just got access to it and then is introduced to a dude who could be manipulated into being genetically engineered. Mm-hmm. Of course. like what this And these is pieces
0: do fit together. Like, as much as it feels or it could feel like... Of course these two are going to cross paths. No, they actually I mean they perfectly set up why Miles Warren would still be there and they perfectly set up how Kravinoff gets there. I mean there's nothing about it is really a coincidence other than timing and that's yeah. that's a coincidence that's that's easy to to accept, you know?
1: Yep. Yep. It's great. I love it. I love it. But um the other thing that I love about this too is that so Craven like like, he's not the greatest at, like, hunting superheroes, but he's still a smart guy because he sees the spiders, immediately recognizes that those yeah. spiders aren't natural, which, like, they're, like, red and blue. Like, of course they're not. But recognize they're not natural and it's sort of like – and then Miles is like, oh, yeah, they're genetically altered because, like, I don't know, he's just proud of the work or whatever. Um, And that's when Kravinoff is like, okay, genetically altered spiders, they're red and blue, just fought a spider man with spider powers you created Spider-Man, didn't you? <laughs> which is nobody else has put those pieces together. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which <laughs> as is true as it is. Fucking wild because Peter literally works in the lab with those spiders. It's so
1: funny. It's so funny.
0: Like Martha should have figured it out by now if no one else did.
1: Right, right. I you know what'd be interesting is like because if she
0: had and that's the trust issues, but she knew that it would be yeah. irresponsible and unsafe to out him.
1: Yeah, what if that's the case? Like wouldn't that be interesting? That would be incredible. I would cheer
0: aloud. That would yeah. be amazing if that was revealed to have been the case. Especially because yeah. it's like not unbelievable given what we know.
1: Right, right, man. God,
0: that would be so good if that wow, happens. Holy shit! And also, congratulations on lying to me very successfully. <laughs> <laughs> be the First time. So
1: yeah, the other thing that I love about this is that like, like I, I. I don't like Miles as a human being, obviously, because he seems to have like no feelings, but I I like like how smart he, yeah, I do too. I like how smart and cunning he is. Yeah,
0: cunning is the perfect word.
1: He sees this opportunity and and so he just like takes credit for it all. He's like, yeah, I made the spiders and I made Spider-Man. Are you in the market for also being made like spider-man and would pay for it by the way like he even like he casually throws in like yeah spider-man paid great money to me to be made like him like it's so genius like and he's such so a,
0: instant yeah
1: yeah it's like yeah yeah he's a scary guy i'm yes i'm i'm, I'm so into it <laughs> his brain
0: is fucking scary <laughs>
1: uh-huh uh-huh Gosh. yikes yikes yep Yep. But I mean, Kravinov obviously is looking for a way to beat Spider-Man and it makes sense to beat him at his own game. So he's like, hell yeah, I will. Well, first he like threatens him to be like, I could, you know, threaten you to genetically engineer me. And Miles, (laughs) again, smartly is like, I could destroy your body if I, if we didn't trust each other, if I didn't have anything to gain. Yeah. Um, So is like, okay, I will. Pay you to remake yep. me into a superhero or yep. supervillain, basically.
0: A super hunter is probably how super he hunter. does it, you know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> He yeah, doesn't view himself
0: yeah. as good or bad, I imagine. No,
1: of course not. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Super we
0: don't hunter. get it as explicitly in this as in some other, in, as some other uh, characterizations, but it all lines up that way. Uh, we yeah. don't really have any reason to believe that he's a bad guy.
1: Yeah, he just has goals that are harmful to a human being so yeah. well yeah
0: <laughs> one thing i really appreciate about this conversation is Kravanov sort of like has these realizations and you can see them but they're not even necessarily realizations that we are meant to believe right so one of like the big thing is like oh that must be how spider-man beat me it's because he's superpowered and i'm not and like it makes sense from where he's sitting and it would be hard to argue with him but it's hard for us as an audience knowing Spider-Man to believe that that is purely the case. But everything he's saying makes sense. And it, and it, it leads to a place where he's then willing to do this ridiculous thing to himself in order to, to accomplish it. And you don't really know where it's going to go, but you can kind of like put together a few possibilities that sort of hinge on this idea that Kravinov believes Spider-Man is only able to beat him because he's genetically enhanced. And yeah. I dig that. I really dig that. Yep. It was enough for me to like raise my eyebrow and be like, "Hmm, where's this going?" <laughs> which I like about this episode. I was always sort of asking myself like, "Where's this going to go next?"
1: Yeah, it's it's so great. It's such a it's such a smartly written episode cuz it does it's such a it's like normal it's like a normal format for a lot of episodes of the show, but yet it isn't at the same time. It yeah. still keeps kind of having departures with every act, which I like a lot. And I do think that you know you could also expect that this genetic research just brings him to being comic book Craven, where it's just like, oh yeah, it just enhances your enhances well. your sight and smell and senses without like <laughs> turning him to a full turning him into a full fudge furry too, you know. That's so what I
0: expected.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that very shortly. But days later, Peter, Gwen, and Mary Jane are at the state championship football game against a team called the Gorillas. Peter is taking a lot of creepy pictures of Liz. I'm not. I mean, I get it, but I don't like it. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, at least like it's it's pretty mutual, I guess, because Liz calls calls Peter out. It's like, hey, Petey, oh, you got a new camera? Oh, wow! Like she's paying attention to his life, which is cool. And like, she
0: even, I think she even the way she says it, and I don't know if this was incidental or intentional, but the way she says it is, is that the new camera? So he yeah. must have told her about it. Like he talked about it with her.
1: Right. Right. So you know. It's like they would make a cute couple is all I'm saying. I get it. They're not a bad couple. They're honestly not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, uh, I don't – as much as I I want Gwen to be happy, I think that there is merit in Liz and Peter both clearly having kind of their own thing going on that would make them a good couple for that reason. Because, like, Liz clearly has her own separate friend group. She has her own, like, hobbies and stuff. And Peter isn't someone that you can depend on to always be there. And that's the perfect type of person that he would need is someone else who also is going to be busy with her own thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And I like – I think that's very smart. Yeah. Well, and,
0: you know, if if his, if his best friend weren't also attracted to him, he would have a best friend that is not Liz's friend. So he yeah. also has somebody – I mean, outside of this particular situation, he right. also has somebody uh, that would be his own friend group, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, man, just talking myself into like Liz and Peter, uh, Liz and Peter's ship with every second.
0: <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not like rooting for Peter and Liz. I just don't think it's like that bad, you know. And I don't no, think we're right, meant exactly. to think it's all that bad. But I do think that given what we know, like there is an inclination to root against it simply because like we want the outcome. I think they want us to want. And I just don't want to like villain. I don't think either one of us is doing this. So this isn't a no. defense against us. But I also just like don't want to villainize Liz because I don't think she's bad. And I don't think this relationship is bad. Like it's yeah. pretty healthy, right? Like yeah. I don't think there's anything unhealthy no. between the two of them.
1: Yeah. They even have, they have a cute little PDA moment. Like they're they have a little cute little hug. Like it's really sweet. It's really sweet. They like each other. It's so nice.
0: Well, and they even have that moment where Sally's like, "Ew, he's a nerd," and Liz is like, "I don't care." Although she says yeah. it in a weird fucking way because oh, Sally's no. like, <laughs> <laughs> "Sally's like, oh, he's a nerd. You could catch it." And what does she say? She says like, uh,
1: oh, "Liz is like, I don't mind catching what Petey's got." <laughs> 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 Which oh, you know, I forgot to mention this. In last week's episode, Peter's sneezing like crazy into the air, and he's like, oh, God, I, I wish I could stay warm. And then Liz, like, cuddles with him a little bit, like, I can keep you warm, even though he's, like, clearly got a cold and was sneezing all over the <laughs> damn place. So, clearly, she doesn't care about catching what peter has got. She wants his germs all up in her, apparently.
0: <laughs> you know what? In 2009, we didn't care as much.
1: <laughs> I guess, I guess, I don't Sneeze know. Sneeze on me, daddy. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's the worst thing you have ever said.
0: It's uh, especially terrible because that's not typically my line. It's
1: yours. Everything is wrong. Everything's wrong.
0: Uh, yay, yay. Well, hey, 2020 ensures that no one will ever say that, so...
1: Uh, I mean I don't know I shouldn't some say no have,
0: one the world is a weird place
1: <laughs> some people have some pretty dark kinks sometimes so yeah. I could see that creating kinks in people because it instills oh, no. fear and people get off on fear oh, no. so Liz. I don't like the direction that we've gone in so let's pivot away from this immediately <laughs> into football into football oh, let's get manly manly <laughs> these men tackle each other in see-through pants Um. I mean so okay j- <laughs> exactly so just then the game's going on. The Mustangs capitalize on a fumble. They gain possession with 30 seconds left and make a winning play and everything's great. Yay. Uh, but unfortunately, Flash has been tackled on the play and is clearly very badly injured. This is the worst.
0: This is the—this sucks, man. Like, uh, did you go to football games in high school or college at all?
1: Uh, sometimes, occasionally, yeah. The
0: worst thing is when somebody's injured on the field. And for it to happen, like, right as you win— Gosh, and and win the state championship. I can only imagine, like, how awful that stadium must have felt. God, Mm -hmm. it's such a terrible feeling in, like, a regular game with, like, nothing at stake. To add, like, a celebration to it, especially because – and this is the thing that makes me so uncomfortable and the thing that I think the fourth Harry Potter movie, which I don't especially like, does so well, which is juxtaposing – a celebrating crowd with a tragedy because the crowd is unaware of the tragedy. You know that that happened for at least a moment in this scenario. Yeah. like Oh, I hate, And you know, flash does not die. So like, it's not the worst in the world, but I just hate that moment where it's like, people are just unaware of the tragedy in front of them. It makes me so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. And you know, this is supposed to take place like around, like in like, like December or so mm-hmm. like for the football season is the college is the high school football season that normally go like around the same amount, like the same time, like the NFL football season goes like he would theoretically still, there should still be more time in the season, right. That they well, might be playing beyond the state championship maybe.
0: No. Cause the state championship would be where they end. So the high school football okay. season, this, I mean, this would be actually a lot later than the season ends. So oh, they'd okay. be playing a lot longer, which honestly could contribute to an injury. <laughs> Um, sure. but, uh, but yeah, no, it should be done. He should be good for the season, but I don't know. Okay. Flash, Flash is being in the same classes as Peter doesn't mean he's in the same grade. Do we know if he's I older think... than Peter or not? Cause if he's not, he has other years in high school that he should be playing.
1: Yeah, I think that they're all supposed to be – I think all of these characters are juniors. I don't know about like Rand, but I know that Flash is – su- I'm pretty sure Flash is supposed to be a junior too. So like he could be ruining his That's really shot bad. at playing next year. Yeah, and, and potentially like a college scholarship. Well, because he's looking at
0: colleges and colleges are looking at him.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's really
0: bad. I mean he has a state championship under his belt, but we'll learn later like <laughs> – yeah, the college prospects aren't guaranteed. Yep. Not anymore. Yep.
1: I love that we that it's this show is making us care so much about Flash playing football too.
0: <laughs> well, I like Flash in this. I mean, I, I we didn't. I, we I didn't start off liking Flash, but by the end of the season. I ended up liking and appreciating Flash because of what he does for Peter, and he does that thing where he's – this is a Flash with a heart, and I appreciate that. And I guess most iterations of Flash get to that point, but mm-hmm. um, this one gets there, like, relatively quick, and, and, and I appreciate when that happens. So yeah. I, I can dig this Flash, and I feel bad. And we, we kind of have the same journey that Spider-Man has because, you know, Spider-Man doesn't react – or Spider-Man. Peter doesn't react, to the like, well to the, the fact that Flash is injured. He doesn't like mm-hmm. like it.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So we'll have to see how that goes, but in the meantime back at the ASU lab, since we know it's been a few days later, it's now time to complete Kravinoff's treatment. So he gives Miles a down payment for the procedure and yeah, so there there's a whole like shiny vial of serum that's injected into him, just almost just like the lizard serum was back then, mm-hmm. back in the first season. And initially, there's like no change. I also want to add that like his lion in the background is like super cute, just like lounging in the background and like cleaning himself. It's adorable.
0: Oh, <laughs> the lion! I thought he said lion, and I was like, what?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's lion. That I already Gulyadkin, Gou- I, I think is the name one. Right, yeah. the name was right. Yeah, no, he's adorable. I
0: honestly, I had to ask you, because I, I never couldn't, and, and I couldn't figure out my own subtitles on my
1: <laughs> my TV,
0: but uh, but I could not for the life of me figure out what Kravinov was saying when he was calling his line by its name, so I have no idea I only how he says it.
1: I'm just going by what's been written on the internet yeah. <laughs> at certain points, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it takes a couple seconds, nothing's happening yet, but then eventually... Well, first he is accusing Miles of conspiring against him with Spider-Man. So it's just like, okay, dude, just chill the fuck out. (laughs) Can you just wait a second? Um, And I like how they sort of reveal that the change is happening because he's like, I smell Spider-Man all over the lab. And that's when Miles is like, you can smell him? That's weird, bro. And that's when Kravinov's like, oh shit, I can smell him. Which finally transforms him into a big furry lion guy. Lion, well, no, he's like a, he's like a fusion of animals because he has like stripes too, right? So like his hair is really long. So it kind of gives like the aesthetic of a lion, like his face is sort of the same shape as his lion, but he has like some stripes. um, And I think they even referenced that he has like cheetah DNA in him as well. So he's like this like big cat fusion genetic guy. Yes. And he finally takes on the name Kraven the Hunter. Yeah.
0: If you were wondering why both of us were struggling so hard to say Kravenov this whole time, it's not just because it's pronounced differently. It's because he doesn't, no one calls him and he doesn't call himself Kraven until this moment. (laughs) And all I wanted to do was call him Craven. <laughs> yep. And I did many times. So, yep, yep, yep. A, a thing I really like about this moment, in addition to it revealing that he now has these superhuman powers, is having Craven identify the fact that Spider Man's scent is all over the lab to Miles Warren is a significant detail given that Miles doesn't necessarily know how much interaction Spider-Man as Spider-Man would have had with the lab, and it seemingly would indicate that the scent is fresh enough for Kraven to pick up. So I don't know if that's going to go anywhere or if that's meant to be part of the revelation, but I would expect, or at least accept very easily this being something that tips Miles Warren off to the fact that Spider-Man frequents the lab, which I think is dangerous knowledge for him to possess. So I just want to point that out because I really appreciate the potential of that being communicated to him.
1: Yeah, especially given that this is Miles Warren and we've seen him be a very insightful and, like I said, cunning guy. So. <laughs> Yep, he he can connect the dots that no one else does yeah. it seems like.
0: Who carries a gun by the way? Did we even mention that oh, yet?
1: Oh god, I love I love that cuz it's so quick. But yeah, when it seems like Craven's going to like um, you know, going to attack him or something, you immediately get a quick shot of him arming or at least taking the safety off of his pistol that's just shoved in the back of his pants. Yeah. Like real quick. Like oh, damn, dude. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. And I don't I think that was in I don't think that was in their first interaction, so it could be simply that he has it because he is wary of Craven. Sure. But just the fact that he's working in the lab with a gun is like menacing, and I think it's meant to be for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a scary guy. Yeah.
0: scary guy. How do you feel about the Catman version of Craven the Hunter?
1: I like it. I like it. I think his design is really cool. I I am sad to not see more of human Craven because I do like his design. But for the purposes of the show, if he has to turn into a Catman Craven, which I have no issues with, um, but if we have to get it so soon, I I think it's a great design personally. I think I I dig it a lot.
0: I really like the story and the idea, and I like the circumstances that turn him into a Catman. I hate this design. <laughs> really? What do you hate about it? <laughs> I really don't like it. I – okay. Uh, the biggest thing is I just don't like his face. Like his face to me feels far more ape-like than it does cat-like. And like the severity of his underbite is like super distracting. And then the hmm. other thing, part of what makes the human design of Craven, I think really sort of intriguing – is his facial hair and his eyebrows and stuff like the, the sheer severity of them. I don't think the facial hair translates well at all onto this cat design. I think it looks bad. Ha! <laughs> huh. So like, I don't mind the body shape necessarily. Cause it's very similar to what he already has. And like, Initially, I was like, "His feet feel weird to me," but then I looked, and Craven also has huge feet, so it's like not a big deal. But there's mm-hmm. something about his his like face and head that I just don't like.
1: <laughs> that's fair.
0: Yeah, that's. I don't know. I I mean, I guess I do kind of know what it is because I, I cited a few things, but just like not into it. Um, I
1: I definitely like his human form better than oh, his cat yeah. form.
0: I like his human form a lot, and so I mean, maybe that's part of it. Is just like for the first time really really digging like Craven's human form maybe it's it's partly that but yeah i, I don't like this
1: <laughs> well you know yeah feel like i i kill yeah like to me i don't know <laughs> um i can no i can see that it's yeah i don't i don't mind it cuz i feel like already seeing his lion i think it matches the design of his lion's face cuz his lion has a weird ass face too. that's true
0: yeah the lion has like <laughs> some very sharp features that you wouldn't necessarily yeah. expect from a lion cuz even though lions are like strong and scary they're still cats so they still like yeah. have like pretty round softish features or whatever mm-hmm. does does Giyotkin have these pointy sort of like goblin ears that that craven the hunter has I, I don't like have a picture does. of Gayatkin up.
1: I feel like he does.
0: It's a choice. They're not. Yeah, they're not as pointy, but they're still pretty pointy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like the jaw and the eyes and everything definitely match for sure. So it's it's certainly meant to rep, like sort of reflect that. And I I mean, we're meant to understand, right? That like Gayatkin was probably part of the DNA that was used. <laughs> right. I, I I imagine that would be ridiculous if he wasn't. I do appreciate the fact that whatever this thumb ring that Sergei Kravinov was wearing, he's also still wearing as Craven the Hunter, which makes sense. But it's just like kind of funny to see this like beastly cat man wearing a thumb ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. I do dig that.
1: <laughs> he's a cat man now, either he's way. A cat
0: man, and don't get me wrong, love that he's a cat man. I do not yeah. want people to think that that detracts from my love of the fact that he is. Currently a cat man. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I said earlier, some of the, like, some of these designs really work for me. Some of them just don't. And that's, I think, a matter of the style, not necessarily, yeah. like, it's not an indication of their ability to, to do characters by any yeah, stretch definitely. of the imagination.
1: Definitely. <laughs> so, well, elsewhere, as he's swinging around town, Spider-Man is, you know, now stalked and again attacked by Craven. And even though this is like a big cat man, Kraven It did, I guess, like refit his hunting attire for his new like (laughs) buffered cat body. Because he's wearing his same like hunting hunting uh, clothes, Mm -hmm. um, which Spider Man recognized. So he's just like, "Whoa, dang, okay." I'm
0: glad he's still wearing them. By the way, they could have very easily gone like full beast mode and had him like not wear the vest or whatever, because he has like his own mane now.
1: But I'm so glad they didn't do that. Yeah, that would have been. I'm glad. I'm very glad too.
0: Does Ultimate still wear the vest, even though he's like a beast?
1: I don't remember. I think he does, but okay. I don't remember. It's been a long time cool. uh, since I read those. I'd have to I'd have to look it up again. I don't remember. But yeah, so he recognizes what's happening. He's faced enough genetically engineered people at this point <laughs> that it's just sort of like, okay, so you're genetically engineered with a cat cat DNA. Cool. I, I got it. Craven claims that he's uh, the same as you and that he paid to have his DNA altered to combine the strengths of a leopard, cheetah, and lion. He even like kind of talks a little more... I obviously already talked with an accent before, but he even talks occasionally with like more like simple, like animalistic English, where he like kind of leaves out certain words and everything. Well yeah uh, he, which is interesting.
0: He had an accent, but he still spoke like very perfect english yeah as a beast he sort of like cuts out the unnecessary frivolous stuff like articles or like connecting verbs and stuff like it's yeah. straight to the point
1: yeah but it's a little he's, in, he's inconsistent about it not like inconsistent as in like bad writing inconsistent but like when he's in like warrior mode he cuts it out but then when you've there's definitely lines that he says that he just like says normally when sure. it's like calmer or whatever but, you know, battle happens as we'd expect. And despite Spider Man's continued confidence, Craven does put up a much better fight than before, as you would expect. They end up, like, in a museum and are just destroying a bunch of exhibits. Oh my
0: God. <laughs> I'm so mad at them. This is reckless.
1: <laughs> Very much so.
0: Yep. yep. I don't blame Spider Man, though, but this is fucking reckless. <laughs>
1: uh huh. Uh huh. But Peter rec- receives a call from Liz in the middle of this. Um, she talks to him, does not hear like the growling and roaring that's like directly behind him, as she's asking him to meet her at the hospital where Flash is receiving care for his injury. And she even like acknowledges, like, "I know you guys aren't like great friends or anything like that, but I, you know, I'm still really you know good friends with him, and I really just need someone to like be with me." Yeah. And so, so Peter's like, "Okay, cool. I will be there." but uh well, after he hangs up Craven tosses Spidey into a gorilla display which is the second time a gorilla has been referenced in this episode after the football team and then Spidey surprises himself when he says I've had enough gorillas for one night this one's for Flash
0: yeah yeah he's like wait a second where did that come from flash
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> flash maybe flash is the one Flash
0: could be the one. I mean, I think, honestly, I think we could rearrange a whole lot of these relationships and come up with a better a better combination for most of these people. Just got to yep. be open to the queerness of it all, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? So, okay. So, Craven, I want to say tosses, but more accurately, like, fucking launches Spider-Man through one of the museum windows into the side of a bus outside. And it is brutal. Like... Spider-Man takes, like, a blow. Like, when he hits the bus, like, the bus, like, like almost folds at his impact. It's nuts. So they're, like, full-on, like, beat-the-shit-out-of-each-other mode. And that's kind of, like, how it goes from this point on until this sort of resolves. So they they sort of, like, continue their increasingly brutal fight through the streets until they end up in Central Park. Craven continues to just, like, aggressively, kind of increasingly aggressively pursue Spider-Man, who in response begins sort of like rapidly quote spinning webs onto nearby trees some of which hit craven some of which don't just sort of this like frantic or seemingly frantic crafting of webs we do eventually see after we get like a chase like a cool chase Seen through all these like webs and stuff that Spider-Man has managed to create a web cage around himself and Craven. So he ends up in this space where there's like four trees and he's made like a wall between all the trees and put like a ceiling over it. It's very cool. I like this sort of tactic and I didn't necessarily see it coming because even though Spider-Man has been confident throughout this, you see Craven come on so strong. And when you see Spider-Man sort of frantically making the webs, it's not unreasonable to think that like he's thrown off. And then the reveal is like, he's not really thrown off at all. <laughs> yeah. Craven might be stronger and he might be more aggressive. But the thing that I don't think Craven even accounted for is that while he increased his speed and his strength and his agility, he kind of, and this, I guess the language sort of indicates this a little bit, he kind of has a berserker mode now. And Spider-Man hasn't changed. So Spider-Man is still as clear-headed, still as intelligent, still as agile as he was before. And Craven has just tanked up, essentially.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it's not
0: unreasonable to think that Spider-Man is able to sort of like outsmart him a little bit. We don't know fully that this works right away, but we know pretty quickly because Craven sort of like tears through these webs one after the other, after the other, after the other. And they kind of like, you know they have a chase scene through the trees and on the ground and spider-man just keeps whipping and whipping and whipping one thing that like is kind of cool though is each one of these webs that craven ends up running through he kind of carries some of it with him and it sort of slows him down and tires him out basically spider-man's like creating these walls for craven to like crash through and he takes advantage of this and is able to eventually despite having run out of web entirely (laughs) knock Craven out because he's slowed down and he pauses to, to kind of like gloat that he hasn't been restrained yet. And Spider-Man like kicks the shit out of him in the face and then like beats him down and throws him into a web that he spun earlier. Like it's, it's kind of cool because it's when we talked about unlimited, one of the things we had an issue with as far as the hunter there was that just pure like strength seemed to be the solution and it didn't feel quite Right. In this case, the final blow is strength. Like he, he does, Spider-Man does knock the shit out of Kraven, but he also does it through this strategic plan of making these walls of web and this, this cage of web. It does happen kind of fast, but I do think if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense and it is a really smart plan.
1: It does make sense, and it's also, like, layered on top of the fact that, like, this is now the second time that Craven has kind of been beaten in is, like, a similar way where he just vastly underestimates his prey. hmm So it fits, and that's sort of, like, Craven's like, fatal flaw is that he doesn't really seem to think through things very much. He just, like, trusts his own abilities without, like, actually recognizing that, like, no, maybe you're not as good as you think you are, and, like, you should, like, plan or something. Well, <laughs> like, and,
0: that, well, that's the thing is, like, We are introduced to Craven in a way that does make him look really competent and intelligent, despite the fact that he's manhandling a rhinoceros. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we're meant to think he just purely overpowers that rhinoceros. Like, he knew what he was doing. At least that's kind of what I took away from it. The thing with Spider-Man is, you're right, he is underestimating him, and he's not thinking straight. And his solution, instead of being more strategic, recognizing that Spider-Man outsmarted him, is to see only the fact that Spider-Man is stronger than him. He's super-powered, so that must be it. So I need to be stronger and bigger and more like a tank. And he just throws strategy completely away as opposed to like maybe not thinking about it enough now he's completely thrown it out the window and i'll be curious because the next scene does sort of indicate that we'll see craven again or at least could see craven again i'll be really curious if he comes back is he going to be a more beastly version of craven that is no longer capable of being like a strategic sort of tracker like hunter you know like we didn't necessarily get a lot of that craven in this episode but i think the meta of it all indicates that that could have been a possibility and uh, i'll be curious to see if like this has been sort of a detrimental permanent change he's made to himself I- i'm 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 fascinated by the fact that he's catman <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's not like he's like changing back and forth. Like this no. seems to be his permanent mode now. Yeah, I mean, I'll, <laughs> I, I,
0: I believe that that's the case. Like, I, this episode indicates nothing else. You know, so yeah. uh, I, I'm yeah. nervous for for Mister Craven here that he's really kind of like, like, like wreck, wrecked himself a little bit, <laughs> yeah. despite making himself fucking cool.
1: <laughs> I mean. I would pay to turn into a cat person if I had the opportunity offered to me. Like, (laughs) I would would totally do it if I was in his position. But, like, yeah, he didn't really – he was very single-minded. He only did it with a very singular goal. And, like, and the thing is, like, even if he – killed spider-man and did everything he wanted to do like then what's next you're cat man for everybody <laughs> it is
0: wild that that's what he choose like that's what he chooses as solution i mean he 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 does view spider-man as sort of an ultimate prey i don't know if they necessarily drive that home enough but he does view him as like the sort of ultimate hunt right so it's not yeah super unreasonable from where he's sitting to make a permanent change in order to succeed against the ultimate hunt because once you've done that like What's left? Right. So like, who cares if I'm now a cat man, but, uh, yeah. but he didn't succeed. I guess so. so what, What? Well, it's not great,
1: <laughs> but no, but that, that is interesting to think about though, because I mean, that's, that's sort of what made Craven's K- last hunt kind of interesting. I think was sort of like playing with that idea where it's just sort of like his whole characterization, even though he's often portrayed, I think is kind of a flat character like his characterization is that he often is that he's just super singularly minded and he has like one goal and he's not really looking beyond what that goal means or what he would do after he achieves that goal so it's sort of like what would happen when he does like yeah would he just like die would he just retire as a cat man like what (laughs) just go home and like well i don't know just be like his own like craven garfield that's just like eating lasagna and like hating mondays and shit and oh then just like God. passing out passing out after eating a bunch of lasagna and being like i fell in lasagna like i and then like that's it like what else you, like he's he's a cat man like what do you do like <laughs> and it's so interesting to just like think about the how that's not cons- and which i guess but you know you know i guess that's kind of true of like all of the villains in this version of the show like are a lot of them because even like sandman and rhino it's just sort of like i just i'll just hurt. let my self be a body to science you do whatever you want to me and like what are you gonna do next like you're just stuck in a rhino suit forever like what do you do now like Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) yeah that's definitely true and it is like a weird thing to think about with some of the other villains you can sort of like especially in like rhino's case you can write it off to just being like kind of dumb but in craven's case like i think you kind of nailed it though like what would he do we have no idea but neither does craven because he has the singular goal right so it's It's certainly not pointless to ask the question like i, I <laughs> but but like there there's no real answer to it i mean craven the like Craven's last hunt addresses it but in most other settings like he doesn't know he didn't get to that point yet like he he's not going to f- he'll figure it out when he gets to it that's not the current yeah. like hunt it is it is like a really weird thing to think about and you know when we talked about it on our spider bite available on patreon.com/whelpingwebsnappers um <laughs> we did sort of explore that idea of having a hard time understanding or getting into the mindset of craven because he is so singularly minded and the consequence of his hunts don't matter as much as the hunts themselves. And so there's no reason to believe that this character is any different than that because we're not given anything to to indicate otherwise. So I guess that really is the explanation for, like, why would you do this to yourself? Yeah. Clear answer? Yeah. Because I needed to do it in order to finish the hunt. Yeah. All right. Doesn't make sense to us, but it makes sense to you. It's within your your values.
1: It's a really fascinating rabbit hole to fall into with, with a character who's like, at the surface isn't really that complicated or interesting a lot of times. But, like... The sort of um, repercussions of how kind of simple he sometimes is, like, is actually, like, wider than his character itself. Like, it, But
0: I've learned to find him interesting because of that. Like, because yeah, no, me the too. conversation that we had demanded that we put ourselves into the mindset of somebody so unlike ourselves, that yeah. makes him interesting. Yeah. Like, to me, at least. I don't know.
1: No, I fully, I'm fully right there with you. Right there with you. Craven is hot and interesting. (laughs) You get it in both forms.
0: (laughs) And what more do you need, really?
1: (laughs) Right? That's everything I've ever wanted in a man, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but uh, he's beaten again, right? Like, he's knocked out. He's webbed up. Spidey takes a moment to, like, talk some more shit to him. But, like, then he's interrupted by this drumming that – First, almost seems like it's part of the soundtrack, except he hears it mm-hmm. and then turns back, and Craven is gone. Yep. <laughs> so it's it's a weird it's a weird turn, but I think I think we can just assume that it was Calypso that did it uh, yeah. somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like we don't know what Calypso can do in this show. That's
1: true. That's but true. But she has
0: offered help in some way and was pretty confident about what that help could do. Yeah. So I agree, yeah. it's probably Calypso doing something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. She seems like she rules if if we were to see more of her. Uh, I know, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, we do cut then to the hospital. I honestly, one of the biggest surprises of the show is the fact that Peter's able to get to the hospital in time. Right? I was stunned because I did not expect that. He he he's interrupted in his fight by Liz, who asks him to get to the hospital. He promises that he'll be there, and he's there and i was stunned so peter gets to the hospital in time he agrees to stay there and comfort liz she does not ask why he has a black eye by the way <laughs>
1: weird so <laughs> <At> weird <all. laughs>
0: but i guess she's worried about other stuff um yeah. but i would still ask right? uh, and and i'm i'm like i don't even know what to say like i i'm just i'm has he ever treated any of his love interests this well <laughs>
1: That's the thing that I was just – I was thinking when we were talking – like just going into this is that like if this were Gwen, I don't think that he would make it. And not on purpose just because it's like weirdly like the universe like doesn't want them to be together. Yeah. And, but the universe is like perfectly setting up every reason for him to be with Liz. Like it's so, it's so funny. Like he, there's, he's never made it on time. He's never not let down one of his love interests <laughs> until this moment. But
0: here's the thing. And here's the thing. You bring up Gwen. But I'm going to bring up, like, a different Gwen. Gwen Stacy in the comics was deemed too perfect. Like, their relationship was too perfect. So I don't think it's, you know, even though I'm sitting here, like, shocked that Peter is, like, actually there on time and comforting Liz and, like, being there for her, it would make sense if this relationship was perfect so that it is devastating when it doesn't work. You know what I mean?
1: Makes sense, yeah.
0: And I still expect that it won't work. Despite despite being open to the possibilities, I'm obviously convinced this will not be the end end result of the, the romance saga. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what will happen. And I don't imagine that Liz is going to die or be killed. But I do imagine something about it isn't going to work. I think we get a hint at what it could be here at the end of this episode, but doesn't have to be right. in the way that Liz acts in the hospital and on the phone. But it it would make sense if the relationship we aren't expecting to work out works out kind of perfectly and some sort of Parker-esque luck, not truly Parker luck, sort of steps in and makes it not work. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but now it's on my radar because it's almost too good. Peter isn't this good to his love interests.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Shows up on so. time, is, is a is a shoulder to cry on, is just like listening mm-hmm. and not complicating their issues in a tough time. Fulfilling his promises. What the fuck is that? <laughs> 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 yeah. And I mean, in this case, like it's it's not like bad news, but it's not it's it's good news ultimately, but it's still a thing yeah. where like it's it's gonna be hard. So basically, uh the doctor greets Flash's family and and Liz and Peter over here that Flash is basically fine. The surgery went well, but it is his knee is going to be need healing for months, and they're unsure of the long term effects. Which we were just saying earlier is like a terrible news to get for someone who is like a, a star football player.
0: Mm-hmm. Big time, big time. So get well soon, Flash. <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. So Flash wakes up in the hospital. Craven wakes up in a limousine with Calypso, <laughs> and declares that his hunt isn't over.
1: He's like initially worried about his cat body, but she's into Kitty Craven. Oh, I'm sure. She is one hundred percent into it. Like she's even like, I like your eyes. (laughs) She
0: does say that, doesn't she? (laughs) Yeah. They suit you, I think. Isn't that what she says? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, I mean, he he declares his hunt isn't over. She's not the one who responds, though. A voice from a speaker responds saying, glad to hear it. And Calypso indicates that the voice is in fact their anonymous donor, and they actually now know what to call him, which is the master planner, who we heard about at the end of the last episode. With the Tinkerer and Mysterio, and this we can, episode...
1: just, we can just start saying Aunt May, right? Like everybody knows.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it is a filtered voice, so that's fair. That's fair. So I guess we're not obviously. supposed
1: to know. We're not. not. We're, it's not, we're not supposed to. But
0: know it's. That. It, but it's. It's her. The the, the, yeah. the Maester Park clanner <laughs>
1: <laughs> second worst thing you've said tonight okay great cool
0: <laughs> I'm, i've got a running list <laughs> ultimately though this episode ends with the aunt maester planner uh asking craven how he feels about hunting in packs
1: interesting interesting in- interesting, interesting. <laughs> Cool. Well, we got two faces of the episode for this one before we get to final thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Talk about the one you picked out. The first
0: one. I talked about how much I loved this moment in the episode and thus I had to grab it. Big ol' Kravinov getting a taste of his own medicine in the little web net and at the hands of a wee little spider he's so embarrassed and frustrated um this is a this is a cool shot in general and in addition to being like a fun moment you have craven in the foreground uh trapped up and squished in this little web net and uh man hanging upside down behind him sort of like scratching his chin thinking about like what in the world is just happened (laughs) it's great (laughs) and craven's facial expression is uh dare i say
1: adorable oh it's adorable it's adorable
0: (laughs) so really really a fan of of uh this this craven he's really funny
1: yeah less adorable is when he's cat craven and he gives the horniest smile i've ever seen just a close-up on his face i think he's just talking about how he paid money to turn into a lion man but it's like it's a lot it's a lot. It's real it's intense.
0: Lot. It's a very, very severe close up. He's got the like uh, one eye o- like wide open, one eye sort of squinting, and damn if that smile isn't huge.
1: Yep, yep, it's good. Holy I smokes! Dig it. <laughs> yeah, man, man, it's it's so funny how deeply this show makes us talk about like the relationship stuff. Like I'm in, I love it. I love it so much, but it's like, I don't feel like we get this out of any other show. No, At least that the way we talked about.
0: Because honestly, and this is, this is, this, this is, I guess, I mean, it's probably rude, but honestly, the other shows don't, that we've talked about, don't do it in a way that I care. Like it, it, it frequently comes across as like kind of cringy. And granted, we've talked about older shows. So that's worth noting. I have no idea. Maybe newer shows in general do a better job of this, but 90s Peter, cringy when it comes to relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. Amazing Friends, cringy as fuck when it comes to Bobby and Peter talking about Angelica. Like, it's just, it it hasn't been handled in a way that feels serious and feels like, like I said, a part of his maturation. Like an actual character journey as yeah. opposed to just like, either isn't this cute or isn't this saucy, you know?
1: Yeah, I fully
0: and it doesn't feel totally Peter centric.
1: Yeah, because they fleshed out the the characters that he's involved with so well already before they kind of throw the romance angle in it. Yeah. So there's cause so it's like affecting their own character arcs and everything too. Yeah. 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 I have a question for you though, because okay. this is something that, that we've talked about a lot in the first season and then and then the last episode too, like that. The show is generally pretty good about sort of having its supervillain like A plot have a theme to it that is relevant or somehow reflects the, like the Peter story. And the first episode had the misdirection thing going on. I have, tr- I'm having trouble detecting like what that is here. Cause I feel like yeah. it's there somewhere and it has something to do with like Craven's like confidence or having, or like his singular goal or something like that. But I can't really pinpoint Exactly how that lines up with Peter, the Peter love triangle stuff.
0: So, you know, like, as far as like, and I, this is an answer, I promise, but like, as far as the overall feelings on the episode goes, like this, I think so far is one of my lesser favorite episodes of this series because I can't quite pinpoint what that is. And granted, like, I think if you you listen to our show, like, I'm never super duper high on Craven episodes to begin with. So I clearly have, like, a bias for some reason. But (laughs) I do think, like, in the context of this show, which I have a ton of respect for, I did struggle. Like, I was thinking a lot about that first episode and how, you know, very clearly they lay out that the misdirect is what we're to be paying attention to and learning from. In this case I'm not really sure what that moment is and I'm not really sure how it carries out throughout the episode. I think you might be onto something with the singularity of his his sort of his goal and focus, but I'm not sure really how that that reflects in Peter because Peter is in conflict in this episode and isn't even really like I don't Peter's not really going through much of a journey in this episode, like this particular episode. I think it's it's more about craven's journey than it is about
1: yeah. peter's
0: peter's sort of just responding to things happening around him as opposed to the first one where he's having sort of like this active conflict and growth and like working towards a decision this one i'm not sure really like what that is for peter
1: yeah i wonder if if the best and this might be too much of a reach reach around that's like not actually there but like maybe the singular goal thing is more the way that craven just sort of like looks Sees one thing and then just goes for it without really thinking of like the repercussions or anything necessarily. He just assumes that he's – he can just do it. Like maybe it's – the 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 relation to Peter is that Peter just is, seems to only be responding to things as they come to him and he's only really reacting to them. Like I feel like we saw his attempts to talk to Gwen in the first episode and we don't really see it as much in this episode. Like he doesn't really seem to be trying as hard to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And it's instead just responding to whoever seems to talk to him first. And I don't think that that's that's strong, but that's probably the best one that I can pull from it. Like, that's the problem that he's having, is that he's not really actively trying to solve anything with with the love triangle that he's stuck in. He's literally literally just like, I guess I'll figure it out. Oh, you're talking to me? I guess I'll flirt with you back. Like, he's not really actively trying to do anything other than just respond. And that's sort of similar to what Craven's doing. Like, he obviously is more active than Peter is, but he's still only ever responding to the thing that's right in front of him and not really thinking about any like a deeper solution or anything like that
0: what's really strange about it though is that usually or frequently at least those lessons also affect how he defeats or understands his villain and that doesn't end up being the case with craven like he is and and i love his confidence in this episode because i find it really entertaining but it might almost be like a downfall for this episode that peter or Spider-Man rather, doesn't really overcome anything in defeating Kraven. He's competent the whole way through. And that's like a good thing for Spider-Man, but there's no real journey on that side either. Like I do think – I think you and I probably could pull plenty out of this episode because that's it's it's the way we like to think, right? Mm-hmm. I think we we could probably say something about that single focus or being totally reactionary. I think you could even – if you wanted to include – Liz and you wanted to include um like Miles Warren and you wanted to in- well this would that's from last episode I was going to say the men at the table but that's last episode so if you wanted to include Liz and Miles Warren you could even do something about impulse and hmm. and sort of like is impulsivity the word I don't even know if that's a word but I don't know, maybe but the this this tendency to act solely on impulse from a lot of these characters as opposed to thinking long-term, kind of like you're talking about the repercussions of the actions. I think you might be able to pull something out there, but there's not a parallel to the impulse side of things for Spider-Man. And I I, I admittedly don't know how you would balance that if your villain is overcoming that too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure how you would make that work. But I do think it's it's odd that despite the show being really well-written, it does frequently show us the lesson through a character or through a conversation and this one I'm, i i can't pinpoint it and so i think that's why we're lost like i don't know what like did aunt may say something that we're not paying attention to you know like did calypso say something that we didn't pay attention to like i'm not sure where it is
1: yeah i guess it's just it's just a a much more plot heavy and like episode than we're used to and there's like in and there's individual character heavy stuff but And how it all relates to each other, there isn't really an overarching theme. Well, and
0: depending on what happens with Craven, it's okay for the the story to be Cravens. That's fine. We're just not used to it. So I think that would be strange. So, you know, like I said, I expect him to show up again. So I don't know if he showed up next episode, that could be the journey. You know, it could be sort of a de facto two-parter about Craven, not Peter. And then they could pick back up. But I would be very surprised if that's what they did because we haven't really done that with the show. Even when Eddie – was a big part of the season Peter was still growing and learning from that experience too. So yeah. Curious to see sort of, sort of what, what happens here. And, and if any, if there's any clarity given whatever happens next.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to find out or rather you will have to find out. as the person who doesn't know what comes next. (laughs) That's
0: true. I have no idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited for you to see the rest of the season (laughs) and I'm excited for all of you guys who've never listened to our Patreon episodes to listen to our Patreon episodes and you can join that anytime you want at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have tons of bonus content there. So check us out. Uh, otherwise, if you'd like to find us individually, where can we find you, Doug?
0: You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooly, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can find me on another podcast here on the 4 eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just... As we feel like it. And if you like listening to people talk about what they're reading, what they're playing, what they're watching, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming where my friends Katie, Vicky, and I talk about what we are consuming media-wise.
1: Derek, where can people find you and all the things you're working on? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, um, which is a a series that looks at bad or divisive media or media considered bad or divisive by like the general public or by critics, uh, but looks at it from a positive lens through like kind of analytic lenses. Um, And also tries to, you know, learn a little bit about like film and art while I'm doing it. Uh, In this case, I think when this episode comes out, either around the same time or, or a little shortly afterwards, I have an episode on the Speed Racer. Movie oh, and also kind of by yeah, kind of by proxy, like the Wachowskis in general, because okay. there's a lot of a lot of related stuff just as them as filmmakers, uh, but mostly framed through the perspective of the Speed Racer Ooh. movie coming out this month, which has been an interesting experience because just a little fun fact, this is the first one that I've done, which was like requested by multiple people f- for me to do. And so I had never actually seen the movie before committing to doing it and just kind of assumed Ooh. just because the Wachowskis made it, that it would be interesting. So I did, I have seen it and yes, there is a ton to talk about. And honestly, that movie fucking rules. It does. So, <laughs> I like it a
0: lot. And I'm very excited <laughs> I'm, to see what you have to say about it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm excited to, to, to do it finally so that'll be out look out for that this month uh, again the show is called second chance on YouTube um, but if you'd like to find more from walloping web snappers we're also all over the internet so you can find us on our website walloping web for a full archive of all of our episodes you can also follow us on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at walloping web pod we'd also love it if you could email us walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com if you have ideas about what the theme of this episode is that we just like completely missed please tell us we would love Love to know that would be amazing if someone was yeah. like hey you dumbasses it was right here <laughs> Yeah, if it's a good email i'm happy to read it on the air oh hell yeah <laughs> um we would also love it if you could rate review and subscribe to us on apple podcasts the best way for people to find our podcast next week master planner continues to <laughs> plan <laughs> in the episode reinforcement
0: awesome I don't know if we find out who it is, but I'm excited to find out if we find out. It's Aunt May.
1: Bye. Bye. I'm hitting